Josiah was a remarkable king. I'll tell you right now, he was excellent. Uh, let's take a look at him. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. I, I can't think of a better king to study. And as we study him, we're going to learn some very interesting things. Okay, Corey and Ryan are here. Corey, what's up? We're going to be taking a look at some surprising finds uh, in archaeology from the time period of King Hezekiah. Ryan? Today, I'm dealing with an apparent contradiction between 2 Kings 24 and 2 Chronicles 36. One passage says that Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, but the other says that he was only eight. So which is it? All right, very good. The, the Chronicles and the Kings are very interesting to compare because they're from two different perspectives, but that's really interesting. Uh, Janice? Today, coming back. All right, very good. So get your Bible guide out. If you don't have one, stay there. We'll tell you how to get one. But then get the most important book of all, the Bible. Let's listen to what God is saying to us. Second Kings 23, verses 1 through 10. Now the king sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah, and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest, the priests of the second order, and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the articles that were made for Baal, for Asherah, and for all the host of heaven. And he burned them outside Jerusalem, in the fields of Kidron, and carried their ashes to Bethel. Then he removed the idolatrous priests, whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense on the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places all around Jerusalem, and those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, to the constellations, and to all the host of heaven. And he brought out the wooden image from the house of the Lord to the brook Kidron outside Jerusalem, burned it at the brook Kidron, and ground it to ashes, and threw its ashes on the graves of the common people. Then he tore down the ritual booths of the perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the wooden image. And he brought all the priests from the cities of Judah, and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense, from Geba to Beersheba. Also, he broke down the high places at the gates, which were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were to the left of the city gate. Nevertheless, the priests of the high places did not come up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, 
but they ate unleavened bread among their brethren. And he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire to Molech. 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 1 through 10. Second Kings chapter 20, chapter 21, chapter 22, and chapter 23 as we continue our journey through God's wonderful word. Oh, I mean, this is a great one. See, this is about Josiah today. Josiah was a remarkable young king. He was amazing. You see, when challenged by anyone who opposed him, his response was direct and pointed. Why? Well, he knew that God was with him because he was seeking the ways of the Lord. As Judah's 18th king, Josiah made a deep and personal commitment to return the kingdom to the Lord God. How he expressed this was to confront the ways of Jerusalem with the will and the word of God. You see, Josiah inquired as to the future of his life. And though he lived in a very evil time and place, the Lord promised him that he would not go to his grave or he would go to his grave in peace and see the result of God working in his life. Now, the changes that happened took place because Josiah's commitment to the covenant of God took place. When we make a commitment to the Lord, it is astounding how God always follows up with his favor. That's something else. Now, have you made a commitment to the Lord? You might say, well, I'm a Christian. Have you made a commitment to God's covenant? It's a good question, isn't it? We should, because that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. All right, so take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. It's a great scripture. I tell you, it's Josiah is one of my favorite kings. Of course, he actually is my favorite king outside of Jesus Christ and outside of David, but Anyway, Josiah is a great guy. Now, as we study King Josiah, uh, let's get our Bible guide. If you don't have one, we'll send you one. Go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on it. It'll take you to a donate page. And thank you so much for your donations. Very much appreciate them. Thank you so much. God is faithful and God uses people and speaks to you. And we trust the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And so God will continue to do that. Anyway, it'll take you to a page where you can download it just like we printed it. Now let's pray. Father, I pray today as we study the King Josiah that you would help us to hear the secrets of his knowledge for you and the secrets of his desire for you. Help us to see that. And help us also to make a covenant with you, Lord, today. In Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, Go to the Bible, look at this scripture, 2 Kings 23, verse 1. Now the king sent them to gather the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, Jerusalem to him. This is what the king does. He goes and he says, bring them here to me. So the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with him, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He's serious about this. The priest and the prophets and all the people, both small and great, and he read in their hearing. This is important, okay? Look at the scripture. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, 
which had been found in the house of the Lord. And then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand. All the people took a stand for the covenant. All right. Josiah made a public commitment to follow the Lord and keep his commands. Beloved, when we commit our lives to follow God and his word, he rewards us. You know what needs to happen today is as churches, many churches need to read the Bible, Matthew 28, and the pastor needs to stand at the front of the church and say, I'm going to read the word of God, the Bible. Do you agree with me? If you do, join me at the front. If you don't, you know, you can stay or, or go, but I'm going to read the Bible and make a public commitment to the Lord God Almighty and to say, this is what we're going to do. Now think about that because a lot of psychology comes from the pulpit today. Pop psychology and every other kind of psychology. We don't need any of that. We need what God said, the creator of our soul, the creator of our earth, the creator of our universe, the creator of everything. This is his book. These are his words. And this is what he spoke to us, beloved. Now that's what we believe. And this program believes that. And that's what we teach. Go on to chapter 4, or chapter 23, verse 4. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, to the priest of the second order and the doorkeepers to bring out the temple, bring out of the temple of the Lord all of the articles that were made for Baal, that's another God, for Ashtorah or Asherah, that's another God, for all the hosts of the heavens, and, and he burned them outside Jerusalem in the field of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. Then he removed the idolatrous priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense to the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places all around Jerusalem and those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and to the moon and to the constellations and to all the hosts of heaven. And he brought out the wooden images of the house of the Lord to the brook Kidron outside Jerusalem and he burned it at the brook of Kidron and ground it into ashes and threw its ashes into the graves of the common people. And then he tore down the ritual booths of perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord where the women wove hangings of, for the wooden image. This is incredible. Josiah made moves to cleanse Judah of the false worship beginning at the house of God. God always begins his judgment at the house of God, beloved. The house of God is where judgment begins. That's where we need to start, beloved. The churches, the, the people, we need to begin and start there. Now let's read these last two verses. And he brought all the priests from the cities of Judah and defiled, and defiled the high places where the priest had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba. Also, he broke down the high places at the gate, which were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua and the governor of the city, which were to the left of the city gate. Nevertheless, the priest of the high places did not come 
up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among their brethren, and he defiled Topeth, which is the valley of the sons of Hinnon, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire of Molech or to Molech. You see, beloved, Josiah tore down the high places and their altars, disqualifying them for further use. There are things in the church today that should not be there. There are things in the church that should not be there. Let me tell you something, pastors, you are to remove them. I was a pastor. I am a pastor. We are to remove them, beloved. A big part of pastoral care is not only teaching, but keeping away from the people things that send them in the wrong direction. Beloved, we need to stick to the Word of God in our churches. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Well, it's time now to continue on in our Bible study, and it seems that we have a problem between the parallel passages of 2 Kings 24 and 2 Chronicles 36. See, 2 Kings 24 verse 8 says that Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king. But 2 Chronicles 36.9 says that he was only 8 when he became king. Now, this is an obvious discrepancy, so how can we believe that the Bible is truly without error and truly the Word of God? Well, let's study. Biblioskeptics claim that the scriptures contain many errors and contradictions and therefore cannot be the Word of God as it claims. One of these alleged contradictions is found in the parallel accounts of 2 Kings 24 and 2 Chronicles 36. 2 Kings 24.8 states that Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king. However, 2 Chronicles 36.9 says that he was only 8 years old when he became king. How then can this discrepancy be explained? The fact is that the Bible we currently possess is only a copy of the original autographs. This is because the originals were first written on perishable materials and had to be copied and recopied for hundreds of years before the invention of the printing press. This is also true for other historical documents. Despite the fact that the copyists took great care in duplicating the originals, some mistakes and slips of the pen were made. This is why Bible believers claim total inerrancy only of the original biblical manuscripts. But does this bring into question the reliability of our current copy of the Bible? Certainly not. Indeed, in comparing our modern copy to the recently discovered but much older Dead Sea Scroll manuscripts, scholars found that the Hebrew manuscripts on which our Old Testament translations are based were well preserved and carefully copied through the centuries, for they bear close resemblance to the Old Testament manuscripts. In regards then to the age discrepancy of Jehoiachin, says Gleason Archer, obviously there has been a textual error committed by the copyist, either in 2 Kings or in 2 Chronicles. This type of error occurs now and then because of blurring or surface damage in the earlier manuscript from which the copy is made. Which age then is correct? 2 Kings says Jehoiachin was 18, but 2 Chronicles says he was 8. 
Archer says the probabilities are that 2 Chronicles 36.9 is incorrect, both because the age of eight is unusually young to assume governmental leadership and because the Chaldeans treated him as a responsible adult and condemned him to permanent imprisonment in Babylon. So we can see here that this is very likely a copyist mistake of 2 Chronicles 36.9, but this shouldn't concern us because a mistake in the copy of a text isn't the same as a mistake in the original text. Remember, the Bible that we possess is a copy and a translation of the original manuscripts. And I know what you're asking. Can we be confident that the translation we do hold in our hand is an accurate translation of the original? And the answer is a resounding yes. How do we know? Well, our modern copy of the Bible has been compared to the 2,000-year-old Dead Sea Scroll copies, and they were found to be virtually identical. The differences that were found were minor and largely variances in numbers and the spelling of certain names. But none of the differences affected any doctrine or teaching of the Bible. As one eminent Bible scholar and apologist affirms, the scriptures have never diminished in style or correctness. But don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. You know, I, th I find it interesting because we also have the Holy Spirit. And those of us who believe in the Holy Spirit, we're not believing in air, you know. There is a reason for the Holy Spirit, and there's a reason for the air that we see around us that blows the leaves. And the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts. When we read the scripture, after we come to know the Lord, we read it differently mm -hmm. than we read it before we knew the Lord. Now, I know this personally because I personally understand that. I got saved, Jesus Christ saved me by reading the scripture. So I saw the change in me and it was shocking and it just hit me. So the, the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the word of God. And I, we believe this is the word of God. Mm -hmm. So that's very important, Ryan. Yeah, and the, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls really helped uh, us to verify a lot of what we were talking well, about Well, in fact, today. in fact, they did. And I was at Israel uh, or in Israel in 91 and I saw the Isaiah scroll. And I, I had a Hebrew copy of the Bible and I took the Hebrew and I compared the words and they were so close, I couldn't believe it. I didn't find one mistake, but they say there's mistakes in the way names are pronounced or something. But so yeah, it's true. God's Holy Spirit has maintained everything and we've got several translations so we can understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, what the Bible actually says. I'm getting off on a sermon here. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Corey. Okay, so we are wrapping up the reign of King Hezekiah uh, together today, but I wanted to bring to your attention some really surprising uh, artifacts that come from the time period of King Hezekiah. And mainly, I want to talk about something that was very personal to him, his signet seals. So several uh, seal impressions of King Hezekiah's have come to light today through our archaeological research uh, and uh um, you know, these were seals that would have been given to his top uh, officials that had the authority of his kingly name. Uh, and the surprising thing about these seals is that they contain Egyptian imagery. Uh, this is surprising to us because the Bible talks about Hezekiah being a great reformer king and ridding the land of idolatry. So what is Hezekiah doing here? How is he using symbols from a, a nation that incorporated the same symbols into their religion? Why would he be doing this? Let's find out. It has been known for many years that Hezekiah, king of Judah, used royal imagery that was Egyptian in origin. But why Hezekiah chose this imagery and how he changed its meaning has been a matter of intense debate. 
The main symbol in question is the winged dung beetle, found on several signet seal impressions and representing at least two duplicate seals of the king. Another is the winged sun disc, found on storage jar handles and at least one signet seal of King Hezekiah. Depending on who is asked, there are three general answers. In the first, Hezekiah is directly borrowing from the Phoenicians, who began appropriating Egyptian symbols like the rest of the ancient world early on in their history. This answer sees Hezekiah imposing reformed religious ideas onto the symbols. Scholars have pointed to Malachi 4 as an explanation. The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. So then Hezekiah meant to represent the God of the Bible, bringing salvation to his nation. A second view believes that Hezekiah directly borrowed the symbols from Egypt, and instead of a religious significance, sees a political one in Hezekiah's image choice. In Egypt, the winged sun disk and scarab beetle were used to show the unity of Upper and Lower Egypt ruled over by the pharaoh. So then Hezekiah chose this royal image to show his desire for a reunited kingdom of Israel as in the days of David and Solomon. Early in his reign, northern Israel had fallen to Assyria and was left kingless. Efforts on his part are recorded in the Bible to turn the people back to God, inviting even the kingless people of northern Israel to return to Yahweh worship under his rule. The third view thinks that the first two views are too speculative and reminds us that Egyptian imagery was widespread in the ancient world, so it's entirely possible that no meaning was attached to the winged sun and beetle, other than its memory as a powerful royal symbol. Despite that, it is interesting that after Hezekiah, these royal images were retired in Judah, a result of the religious reforms of Josiah, or perhaps more likely, the result of Judah switching allegiances from Egypt to Babylon. So these are theories that help us to come up with plausible explanations for why Hezekiah, how it could both be true that Hezekiah was a great reformer king, which there is archeological evidence for his religious reforms, and yet at the same time, still be using images that today we would associate as pagan images. So uh, when we look at it, when we try to look at it from Hezekiah's perspective, keeping in all of the social elements of his day and the political challenges of his day and what the scripture gives us, we find that there are a couple really good theories that would explain this while also keeping Hezekiah faithful to God. Very interesting, Corey. Excellent. Excellent. Janice? Josiah had a tender heart. And we can read that in the previous chapter of um, 2 Kings. Today we're in the 23rd chapter. I called this coming back. And it reminded me so very much of myself or in any person who comes to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and is confronted that with that and makes a decision to follow him. What am I talking about? Well, in Josiah, he wants to restore true worship. So as we read through chapter 23 of 2 Kings, we see that when Josiah learned about the Book of the Covenant, Hilkiah had found it, brought it to the scribe Shaphan, Shaphan read it, and Josiah had a tender heart and wanted to turn towards getting himself back to God and getting the kingdom that he ruled over back to God. So when he learned about the book of the covenant and the promise of God to his people, he made a commitment in his own heart to follow that. So 
when we know what God has done through us, through his son, Jesus, then we must make a decision to follow him or not. Then Josiah made a public confession. We read about that in very early on in chapter 23. He called all of the leaders together and all of the people together, and he made a public confession and a promise before the leaders and his people. And that's what we do. When we give our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, we begin to testify to others what Jesus has done for us, that he has forgiven our sins. We get baptized in water, and it's a public demonstration and a wonderful time for us to give testimony to what God has done in our lives. Number three, Jos- uh, Josiah began the cleanup of the house of the Lord. And you know what? The house of the Lord, we learn in the New Testament, in after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the temple of God, the house of God, is inside of us. So when we have given ourselves to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we make that commitment in our heart. We make a public confession of that. And then begins the work of the sanctification, the cleanup of our lives. We begin to read the Bible and we spend time with the Lord in prayer. And we recognize in ourselves when the the light of the Lord Jesus Christ shines in the dark places of our heart, we realize that he's got to help us clean that out. And that's what Josiah started to do with the temple. And you can read through that. And and fourthly, he tore down the high places and the altars so that they could not be used in the future. The same thing with us. We have weaknesses and propensities, maybe habits that we have developed over the years that we need God's help to tear them down. But we've got to take that action. We've got to say, God, help us to take down those things so that we disqualify them from our lives. And he will help us to do that. With God's help, we can remove the things from our life that take us away from God. So just a a quick little wrap-up lesson of comparison to what Josiah did to restore true worship within himself and the house of God with our personal lives and what we need to do when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Josiah was was an amazing individual. He really was. He's my favorite king. Okay, uh, and he did some things in his heart because his heart, as you was said, tender. was tender towards God. That's what he did. He he truly was grieved when they read the Bible to him and the covenant to him, and he realized it was a problem. But our heart condition is relevant to how we see God, and that's very important. Again, I'd like to ask for your your indulgence to pray with us live at 3.30 to 4.30, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. The Pray for Church leadership, we pray for many different things on Facebook, YouTube, and of course, our Bible Discovery TV. And as we pray, God will move. And today we pray, Lord, I desire to know and to live according to your word. Help me to wholeheartedly serve you and give my life to you as we live every single day.